You are tuned in to Just One Hot Mom with host Nanika Ansari. Get ready. She's about to bring that fire, that flavor, that heat, all that passion, and more from around the world and in your neighborhood. Stay tuned. Hey, hotties, you are tuned into Just One Hot Mom. I am your host, Nanika Ansari, and tonight I am super excited to have this dope soul join us, Tarshay McMillan. Hi, Tarshay. <laughs> am I saying it right, Tarshay? Okay, cool. So you guys, you all know about um, all my stalkerish stuff with Anthony Hamilton, but I have become a huge fan of Tarshay. One, her voice is super amazing. When I say you will get taken to church, this is probably the only CD in my car. No lie, go press the eject button right now and this is the CD that will pop out. My kids know it, my significant other knows I rock with it in my car. It's just, it's uplifting, it's telling a story and it's the McMillan story. So you guys, you get the opportunity, you sure need to go listen to it. But I'm gonna get into the conversation with Tarshay because I could probably go on and on. So, Tarshay, your story, the McMillan story, talks about your um, grief and your overcoming, your advocacy as far as HIV and AIDS is concerned. Um, can you give us a little background of that story? Because I know I know the story, but I know some of our audience doesn't know. Yeah, so um, pretty much um, I ended up being a child affected by HIV AIDS. And, you know, back in uh, the, the 90s, um, you typically, when they would talk about HIV AIDS, you knew, you know, Magic Johnson, you know, that whole thing, um, and you knew of it with Africa. You know, they always tied it to Africa, but um, it actually hit home for me um, in 1997 when I was 16 years old. Um, my father ended up passing away, and my mom had to sit us down and explain to us what the cause of his death was. Um, I thought it was just a heart attack, uh, but come to find out, um, he actually did go into cardiac arrest, but it was due to uh, uh, an infection that he had, uh, had gotten um, from the effects of uh, AIDS. And um, so she had to tell us that that was why our father died. And then she also dropped the bomb on us that she too was infected and that she was HIV positive. So that evening that she spoke with my sister and my brother and I um, changed like the rest of my life. Like it was, you know, devastating. You know, mm -hmm. um, my whole foundation and everything that I had known to be my life was no more. And immediately, of course, we were told, you know, we had to keep it private. And that, that also wasn't something we cared to share, you know, mm -hmm. especially during that time. And still today, a lot of people are very uncomfortable with that. Like, who wants that stigma? Yes. You know, so who wants to be alienated and, and ostracized, especially in the church world? So, and that's the thing. So, you did you grow up in the church? Like, was your family in the church, or were you? So, growing up with that foundation, how was it? How did that affect your belief in God? Because I'm thinking, like, you know, it's my dad. God, you allowed this to happen to our family, and now my mom. You know, at 16 years old, you're questioning everything. How did that affect your journey, your faith journey? At that time, um, it was instilled in us so much 
to believe and trust God. Like literally my dad on a Friday, we were in church with our mom on Sunday, um, you know, still giving God praise. And that's what our parents instilled in us was to trust God. I've never heard my parents curse, uh, speak bad of him. I never saw my parents waver in their faith when it came to God. Um, so even through their sickness, I mean, that was just something, you know, I just always saw them be consistent. And so that consistency was within me. That was my foundation. So that was something I just continued to do. My faith did not become shaken until my mother died uh, some two plus years after that, shortly after my 19th birthday, uh, a month after her 40th birthday. Um, and she died, that's when my faith was shaken because I was just like, okay, she was innocent in this. I prayed for her healing. I was singing for her healing. Like every time I would touch a microphone, I trusted and believed that God would heal her because my faith was just that strong. And when that did not happen, that's what shook me. And so, and, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> and that's that, that whole road to shaking faith began to happen. And that's when I'm probably a year after my mom passed, um, my brother got tested for HIV. Um, he suspected that he may be sick and um, he not from my parents, but he was just wilding out. I mean, our parents had died, you know, he was just kind of doing his thing. He was only 17, um, I believe when he was infected by 18 years old, he was full blown AIDS. So when he found out his T cell count was like something crazy, like he was full blown. And so they got him on meds and all of that immediately. Um, his body actually responded well to meds where he had gotten to a point of undetected. But when you have someone who's that broken, hasn't gone to counseling, hasn't done any of that, you tell an 18 year old kid who's been through these traumas that he's now undetected, that reads, I ain't got it no more. I'm gonna just keep wilding, doing whatever I wanna do. And that's exactly what he did. Uh, he never stayed consistent with taking the meds after that. Um, and then several years went by and uh, he lost his fight with uh, AIDS uh, June 1st, 2009, at the age of 26. And so when we think of this, because I'm thinking like that's three tragic deaths, all lost to a disease that we're still fighting right now. We're still, there's no cure for it. I mean, we've come a long way in advancement, but there's no cure for it right now. When you think of that loss, were you depressed? And how did you deal with faith and depression? Because I think a lot of times people think, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm faithful, I believe in God, and I can't, and you can't be depressed in it, but how did you deal? You definitely can have faith in God and still battle depression. I mean, we're human. That's, that's like saying um, that you cancer and have faith in God. You know, our, our faith and our salvation in God does not make us, uh, we don't become exempt from life's issues. We don't become exempt from mental health issues or struggles or physical struggles or ailments. Um, we just don't. That's unfortunate. And we're not promised total healing until we leave these bodies anyway. Amen. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so this is just temporary. But while we're here, um, having that faith is what gives us 
the the push to keep going but at that point when you're that young and those traumas have happened you're damaged at that point and you just kind of don't my faith was so shaken at that time I was definitely severely depressed and uh growing up in black household especially with church back then people really weren't pushing counseling mm-hmm. you know you're taught to stay hush about everything especially with something with HIV AIDS you know which mm-hmm. is still very hush hush because um it has such a stigma attached to it mm-hmm. people don't wear the proud banner to say I'm a survivor of HIV AIDS I'm now undetected Mm -hmm. or I'm surviving HIV AIDS every day like people do with cancer Mm -hmm. Um, because there's there's no stigma for cancer the way it is for AIDS because of how it's contracted and I'm so go ahead no go ahead ahead. but I'm so glad you brought that up because I think sometimes we forget like we still revert back to our old ways in our family of keeping the secrets like there's always that hush hush we don't tell what's going on in our household, but because we've lived like that for so long, a lot of things have gone undetected. There are people with severe mental illnesses. There are people with diseases. There is stuff that are going on in our homes where people are being abused. And because we don't tell the story, you know, we're not helping each other and we're not getting the help we need. What made you tell your story? This is a bold story to tell. What made you decide to tell your story? I promised my brother that I would. Um... I got his permission when I I wrote a song called Silence Kills and I wrote it poetically in a way that's on the Macmillan story. Yeah, that's Um, one of my favorites. (laughs) That was my first outlet to being able to tell my story without telling my story. Mm -hmm. So people really didn't even know that that's what I was talking about. Um, I finally told my actual story on a major platform. I had a chance to perform it uh, during a show on Anthony Hamilton's platform and he called me out and it was during a Magic Johnson event that was supporting HIV AIDS awareness and I stood on that stage that night and I shared my personal story and then performed the song and after that it was just like I you know and I, I made sure I got at the time my brother was still living I wanted his permission to be able to tell the story because I wanted to respect that. So I asked my sister and my brother if it was okay. My other family members, it just didn't matter to me mm. if they if they were affected by me sharing the story or not because they weren't living it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, yeah I, I get that. Like you grew up in the house. Yeah, yeah we're mm. the children of. I feel like that's my power and my right. The loss we suffered was far greater. Um, and so he was okay with it. And then when, when Michael was about to pass, he asked me to pretty much carry the mantle of, uh, you know, spreading the message to try. He asked me to prevent, you know, more Michaels, you know, protect those little boys. Um, and just making sure that uh, damaged people, you know, get into counseling and that you inform people before it gets to that extreme of people wilding out sexually or whatever. And then you're in a situation like this. So a lot of this does stem the core of it has a lot to do with mental health. Um, if we, if we take care of that issue, I think we can prevent a lot of, uh, traumas that end up happening. Like 
I, I think HIV AIDS is something that is a result of something that's deeper, you know. Um, I would totally agree with you. I would totally agree with you. And I think like now, as we fast forward to like being in 2020, that Black women talk a lot more about mental health and how to deal and self-care. And it's still, uh, it's still taboo in some areas, but I don't see a lot of Black men talking about mental health and, and you know, know, and their sexuality and how to deal with stuff. So for your brother to charge you with that, being a Black man, like it's like salute to him, like in his final wishes, because he wanted other people to be saved as well. Why do you think though, like if we ask that question, why do you think black men are still like not talking about mental health? What is it that we're just not pushing forward with them to talk about and take care of their mental health? I think it's hard enough being a black male. So Amen. it's to ask them to take on yet another thing that could portray weakness. Mm. You know, a black man is constantly having to take a stance on being respected by society, mm -hmm. even being respected by their women, because us Black women need to learn how to respect our men making. Tell the truth. Um, <laughs> and when a bad, when they go to the other side, you know, um, I feel like we need to chill, but that's a whole nother lie. That, yeah, um, yeah, that's a whole nother thing. I'm, I'm not the only people, we're not the only family that do this. When you did that, I know exactly my family uses uh, like, you gotta... <laughs> That's a whole other life, but <laughs> if they're constantly in this this constant battle of you know already fighting with self and being respected in society, can you imagine a black male then saying, "I struggle with mental health mm -hmm. because stigma attached to mental health is negative. You know they don't respect the mind issues the way they do a heart issue. You know when you go see well, a cardiologist, yeah. you have heart issues. There's there's people empathize with you or sympathize with you and like, oh, wow, yeah, to go to the doctor, get that fixed, take your medicine. When you talk about taking medicine for your mental health, then people want to put that crazy stamp on you. And that's and a everybody's labeled as crazy. And that's another thing we hidden in the closet. You know what I'm saying in your family? Like we could fully be aware of something going on mentally with a person, fully aware of it, but we won't acknowledge it. And I think by us as families not acknowledging some of these things, not, not acknowledging diseases, not acknowledging sexuality, not acknowledging a mental health awareness that we've actually buried ourselves. And so I'm just happy to be part of a generation, a movement of women to be like, okay, we're not doing this no more. Like, I know I actively pursue with my son to be like, we need to take care of your mental health. It's hard being a black man, you know, up in today's society. And I think we're the ones who can lead them to the water though? You know what I mean? To make them drink. We have a lot of power um, in society period as women, but as black women. And it, it runs deep. And um, I think that um, we have that power if we can make them feel safe, mm -hmm. safe enough to be vulnerable because they first have to be okay and safe being vulnerable with us. Mm -hmm. Before they feel vulnerable and feel safe going to some person they don't even know to share their truth with. And I'm so you know, glad so that you offered that to your brother. Huh? I said, I'm so glad that you were able to offer that to your brother in his final days. You know what I'm saying? Like, because some men never get to experience that. And because you offered that to him, 
I'm sure like as he was in transitioning, it was easier to rest knowing that, you know, you created that safe space for him. Yep, where he could just be vulnerable. He knew what he had wasn't um, a good thing and that uh, he was at fault for mm-hmm. uh, not being responsible. But at the same time, was he really at fault? You know, because yeah. he was this this broken boy. It's 70 years old. Just kind of kicked into exactly, you know, he was actually there when my mother took her last breath. Like, I think a part of him left with her in that moment. He was the only boy. He was the baby boy at that. It did something to him. And and at the time my father died, he was only 14. Um, My son is 16 and I can't imagine him receiving a diagnosis and then having to live with that and to deal with that and to have all these other transitions take place while you're dealing with that. Like it's heavy for some adults to deal with. So I can't imagine you're a 17 year old, you're still a child, you know? And so as we think of that though, as we explore, because I want to talk about God's plan for you, because during this whole thing, you are in, you're going after, you're a singer, you're going after your dream. How did handling the family part impact your dream? Handling the family part impact my dream. Um, It's crazy because a lot of it was the drive behind the music, but at the same time, the music took a back seat often. Um, And that's something that I've dealt with even up till today. I just started going to counseling in December. Amen. we're talking 20 plus years of um, brokenness, unresolved, you know, uh, traumas. And I finally hit a brick wall last December where I just pretty much had a, a breakdown. There was a breakdown there. Um, and it definitely was a wake up call for me. And uh, I started going to counseling they, I had to take medicine, like for antidepressant, mm-hmm. uh, uh, an antidepressant um, to kind of help me process. I didn't realize I was having anxiety attacks, you know, for, for so many years, had no idea. Um, my sister works in mental health. She has been for the last 20 years. And she would try to get me to go to counseling. And I would always say, no, I'm good. Cause you know, I'm touring the world. I'm singing background. <laughs> temporary highs. It's a false sense of being okay. Mm-hmm. You know, because it feels good. And you can live in this fantasy world because when you're on tour and you live the world of an entertainer, it's not the norm. It's not your typical reality, but it's our reality. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you're traveling from place to place. You're on the plane, you're hotel to hotel, you're on the tour bus. Um, you're on stage and you're performing and then afterwards, you know, you know, you even get, I even got to a point where I started drinking, you know, mm-hmm. and even more heavily, you know, especially after my divorce. So it was, you know, you're staying numb the entire time and not really addressing those issues. Um, last year, I decided not to go back out on the road with, at that time, I was singing background for Fantasia. And I decided not to go back out on the road um, because I felt like my children needed me. Mm-hmm. And with their father already being so busy and always on the road, um, 
I needed them to have at least one parent that was consistently present. And so I sacrificed, you know, mm-hmm. music once again to be a mother um, to the boys. And so that's what I did. And um, I think it was that time of just having to sit still was when reality really started to hit and it all started crashing down on me like a ton of bricks and I couldn't handle the weight of it, not by myself. And that's what caused the crash, you know, in December mentally and it it woke me up. And so after therapy and all of that, I no longer take antidepressants. I only took those for maybe two months tops and I actually took myself off of it. That's not something I advise people to do. You know, everybody- Everybody's different. (laughs) Everybody's different. I went under the guide of of the good Lord Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit. And and, uh, I was able to do it. Actually, COVID has been so devastating to so many. And my heart goes out to those who have lost loved ones to COVID. I have friends who have battled COVID um, and overcame it. Um, but it's, it's, it's a scary situation. However, there are those who it has been a blessing for Mm -hmm. COVID, the whole shutdown of everything was a blessing for me because it gave me an opportunity to sit still and heal, you know, and, and really start the process of the healing. So when my boys left to be with their dad for spring break, because at this time I was in Ohio, I left Charlotte for like five years. They were with their dad for spring break. Everything shut down. So they were stuck in Charlotte. I was stuck in Ohio. And I said, I'm going to do the work. I stopped taking the meds. And I just stayed consistent with my online Bible studies. I was praying. I did a 40-day consecrated fast. Like, just really just did the work. And, um, and yeah, so by the time I saw the psychiatrist, You know, she's like, oh, yeah, so what medicine are you taking? I said, well, I'm actually not taking it. And after talking with me, she was like, honestly, you don't need it. She was like, you're doing very well. And you're a prime example of what therapy does for people. You really should get better. Um, The medicine really is just there to kind of mellow you out till you can learn how to process, balance those emotions. Um, Because my emotions were on overdrive. And so it just kind of allowed my brain to kind of settle to be able to really process things in a healthy manner and not on impulse. And see, I think I tell people, like, I think COVID, like, like you said, we, I have known people who have lost people to COVID and people yeah. who are still battling it right now. But for me personally, it was a stop and breathe moment. Because like yeah. you said, I was having panic attacks, wasn't aware that I was having panic attacks until I actually had to be in my house and be like, why am I so anxious? And then I went to the doctor, got my blood pressure checked, and I'm like, no, I'm fine. And he's like, you are not fine. And as a matter of fact, I think we may call the ambulance because you're not fine. And in my mind, I was, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I could just work. Like, if I get bored, I'll work. And it was just work, 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 work. Like you said, on tour, and you're working, and you're like, I'm creating all this stuff, and it's beautiful. But I call COVID, like, for me, God's time out. It was like, uh, there was no other way to grab my attention. And although it shook the whole world for me, it was like, I need to be present, like with my family, with my kids, um, with my parents. I was spending so much time trying to create multiple things and I can still do that. That's the thing, you can still do it. But I, God called me to be present with him. 
I always tell my friends, like, I'm always fighting God to be like dragging me into the next thing I'm supposed to do. And this time he was like, okay, we just gonna sit still until you realize that your connection has to be so deep. So I'm a big, I go to therapy. I know my therapist is like, stop giving out my name, girl. <laughs> because I do, I go and I do my check-ins and I just make sure I'm okay. Because I was like, God has a plan for my life. He has a plan for your life. And so you can't fulfill that plan though if you're not taking care of yourself. And so this whole thing could blow up and end now. And what will I have to show for it if I am not present with the people I love? So when we think about God's, pres uh, God's plan for your life, I'm sure you didn't plan any of this. I'm sure like when you were thinking like, you know, my parents would be here, my brother would be here. I would be singing. I would have kids. I would have all this successful stuff. Since your plan has changed, how are you embracing that? And how is it impacting your faith? I'm honestly, you know, I'm 39 years old now. Uh, I'll be 40 in March. And, um, you know, it takes my mind back to, I couldn't imagine being my mother who was literally fighting for her life by the time she was my age. And I just couldn't imagine leaving my three babies. So for me to have life that my parents didn't get to fully have, that my brother never had a chance to see, he never had a chance to see his 30s, um, I count it as a gift. And so this has allowed me to pause and kind of be like, okay, let's not be careless. Let's not miss the precious moments because we're trying to hurry and get to the next thing. Um, let's not be anxious. Let's sit in this. Let's heal. Let's work through this so that then we can then help others and show them the way and how to overcome. And so that's the work that I've been um, putting in um, and doing that. And I think it's you know, I was reading something today. Um, I've been doing these devotionals. So I kind of like just started doing that and I'll do devotionals three times a day now. And I'll do it like my, my AM after I've taken the boys to school. And then I do a PM after I've done my workout. And then I'll do one right before bed. And I'm just kind of journaling as I'm going through. But one of them today unlocked something for me in my spirit. And it was talking about contentment and being content and how rare it is to find a woman that is actually content with her life. What unlocked for me was when I was instructed to write a list of my needs and then on the other side, God's provision, like how he has, you know, allowed me to have provision in that area my needs list was not long because when I really had the process of my actual needs, I mean, your basic needs are food, clothing, shelter. <laughs> your basic. You know I mean? Ain't too much after that, like your basic needs. Now this isn't talking about your wants, but literally your needs. And that's what I put down. And on the other side, of course, I'm able to put how God makes those provisions. And when you're looking at that, you're like, God literally provides everything that I need and actually in abundance. But this whole time I'm feeling this anxiousness of like, you feel this thing of like, I'm not doing enough. I don't have enough. 
And so you're like, what's, what's the plan? I got to have more. I got to do, you're always thinking of more, more, more. And that's society driving it. It's on IG and you're seeing people live in a certain type of way. You have these advertisements and they're like, you need to be smaller. But then you're looking on IG and, and thick girls are in. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you got to be rounded up and everybody into big booties and big boobs and, you know, so it's a big, fuller lips and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So um, it's always going to be this, this thing, this temptation for people to kind of draw you to want more of what you already have. But to be content is a gift. And that is a skill that you have to develop and that you have to work on. So that's my charge I've given myself is being content. But when I tell you that was a breath of fresh air for me. So like when you were talking about, you know, the plan and the plan changing at this point, I'm on God's schedule. I'm on God's time. I'm no longer working on Tarshay's schedule and Tarshay's time. Now my prayer is God, what would you have me to do? Because I'm thinking it's some magic formula. And he's, he's telling me, baby girl, I've already equipped you with everything that you need to be successful. I just had to sit still long enough to realize like, I'm already equipped. That's what that list let me see. If I've provided for you already in the natural, what makes you think I won't provide for you in the spiritual? I won't provide for you mentally, for you to be able to, to fulfill the purpose, you know, their whole reason for being born and why you're here. I was already equipped. I just had to sit still long enough. Okay, Tarsha, you're taking us to church because <laughs> this is what it is. This is why I was like, our souls connected because I swear I've been saying this to people over and over and over again. I always tell people like, I'm not just saying it to you. I'm actually saying it to myself because I have to tell myself. And so I do Wisdom Wednesdays and this week's Wisdom Wednesday was so, for as a man thinketh, shall it be? Yes. And this is like, we think was oh the big leap that's the book I was reading and the kicker in the beginning was we put a ceiling on the joy that we're supposed to have in our life we think that if something good happens to us we just wait for the next shoe to drop for the bad thing to happen but what if we believe God for joy all the time like what would happen in our lives if we just continuously believe that God would give us joy after joy after joy and so in that it allowed me to look at myself and I'm so glad you said what you said because it's a choice. It's an active decision. It's something you practice. Like God has already equipped me. He loves me so much that, you know, I, it don't matter whatever else is going on in the world. He loves me that much that he's already given me everything I need. And it's a choice for me to choose joy. Yes. He doesn't <laughs> want to good from his children. No good thing will he withhold from us. You know, like that's, 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 Man, like God is so awesome. Like when you really start looking into his word and his promises and, and how he, he looks at us and how much he loves us. When you really embrace that, you stop looking beyond, you know, those other things that you think you need. And when you're like, I'm telling you today really did unlock something for me. Like it just gave me a peace. I didn't feel, it took anxiety away from for me. Something I learned in therapy was my therapist told me, uh, being concerned about the past is what causes depression. Mm -hmm. Being concerned about the future is what causes anxiety. So if you can get to a place where you're content in the now and being okay with the present, 
and breathe and just say, okay, I know that I have everything. I'm talking about that daily bread. If it, the Bible tells us in Matthew, if, if, if he's concerned about the birds of the air and he makes sure that they have the food they need, a little bird, why wouldn't he do that for us? Okay, you know what, Tarsha is in my mind now because that is one of my favorite bad, my, I want to say it's Matthew 6.33. I'm almost sure that's it because, <laughs> because I have, I continue to remind myself of that. And I also go to John, is it 16.33? Y'all, y'all know I'm not a Bible scholar. I will have, break out my uh, Bible for dummies in a heartbeat. But, you know, it talks about like how we already have victory. Like I've already overcome the world. Why are you stressing? Why are you not just living in the moment? When I've already overcome, and at the end of the story, we win. And so if you lived your life in victory, you wouldn't have to do all this. But I wanted to really have a conversation with you this evening because I see you living in victory. And you may not always experience that, but I see you living in victory, which gives me hope to live in my own victory. And I wanted people to hear from you, to hear your story, to be like, okay, this these things happened in my life. These things, and... Some people aren't strong enough to deal with them. I don't know if I'm strong enough to deal with them, but God equipped me. And I think like we have women out here who don't believe that God's equipped them. But if you see a living testimony, I can see Tarshe. I can hear Tarshe's voice. She is a living testimony that God does. You know, he replaces whatever he takes away with better, with more. He intends you to live in victory. Y'all not, I'm not going to take out of church tonight. This Tarshe. <laughs> But I want to know, how is your faith portrayed in your music? Because I can tell y'all, like, don't make me go get the CD. Like, for me, I was having moments in my car, like, oh, whoo. And I, like, it was taking my breath away. How is it portrayed for you, though? Because you're writing it, you're singing it. I would say the McMillan story was very prophetic. There mm -hmm. were songs that I listen to today, every once in a while, I'll be prompted to play the album. And a lot of times I'm prompted by people like yourself who are like, I'm still rocking that CD. So I'll go back and listen to it and be like, they still hear some. And when I think about it, I was like, it's timeless. Mm -hmm. And it was very prophetic because even in a lot of that writing, I don't even know if I even believed it all the way then. Like I had no idea of what was to come. Like, my brother was still alive when I put that album out. Matter of fact, he recorded backgrounds on the song Better, as well as uh, Thomas Him. He's singing background on that. And he even did a little percussion part on the last song, Possible. I never thought in a million years that, you know, I was going to lose my brother. In my mind, it was like, he's going to be healed at some point, God definitely is not going to take him. I mean, okay. Like, my dad is gone. I was crushed when he took my mom, but there's no way he's going to take him. Like, you know, it's me, my sister, my brother. We three peas in a pie. Like, we good. And when that happened, I felt like a piece of my soul was ripped from me. And my sister and I were on either side of him when he took his last breath. And you know, it was a beautiful moment in his transition, but once he was pronounced dead, there was a cry that came out of me that I had never heard before. And 
I haven't even heard myself cry like that to this day because I really believe like my soul literally cried and it changed something in me and um but the the beauty in all of this and God's grace is that I never developed this callous heart I never developed a hardness towards people and a bitterness to where I acted any type of way and used my losses as an excuse to be mean to people or to be bitter or to wow out or, or to, you know, decide to be strung out or it's like God never took his hand off of me. Mm-hmm. Like even in those, those times where I wanted to give up and I wanted to say, forget it. I mean, there were many a days I prayed not to wake up many days and yet he kept waking me up you know he continues to wake me and so it's like I'm still here for a reason I have a charge on my life and I believe that God allowed these things to happen and that's something that I want to encourage you with and anybody else who's watching we have to change our perspective when trials come and we have to understand that every trial that comes to us, God is not going to put more on us than we can bear or handle. Because again, his grace is sufficient every day. He's given us brand new mercies. So it's sufficient, which means I have what I need to get through this trial. Don't worry about tomorrow. Get through today. But I have everything that I need. And God is able to be whatever we need him to be in that moment. That's why I was playing that song today, worshiping and singing that, you're everything I need to be. You're I am, you are that song. The, the I am song. You're whoever I need you to be. I have everything I need. I have everything that I need. And know that his grace is sufficient. So understand that the trials that he is giving us we need to accept that with great joy. And I believe there's a scripture in that where it says, take joy in these trials and these sufferings because that gives us fellowship with Christ. Mm. It makes us closer with him. That's why he went through those things. He understands every pain. He understands loss. He understands betrayal. He understands pain and hurt. He understands it all. That's why God came in the flesh as Jesus Christ so that he could show us with my spirit within you, in this flesh, you can get through anything, you know, and that's the Holy Spirit that he left with us. They said the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the spirit that he left behind that we call the Holy Spirit, that if we receive that, we have power to get through anything. We have a gift that non-believers, they don't have that. They don't have that. And that's what makes us the light of the world in a sense, because they're like, what is it about you? We're going through the same thing, yet you smile and you have joy. But in that, I want people to understand that he chose you to go through that particular journey. That you were chosen for that. And you know why? A lot of times we always say, trust God, trust God. But guess what? He trusts you. He gave it to you yeah. because he could trust you <laughs> with it. Mm-hmm. That's what he's saying. I'm allowing this to happen because I trust you with this. Because when I bring you out of this, this impossible thing, people will have to know that it was me. And that is where I get the glory out of your life because you couldn't do it. So we're supposed to feel like 
I can't do this. That's exactly where he wants us to be. It says our strength is made perfect. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. So we need to get to that place of brokenness and weakness to say, I can't do this. He wants us to get to that place to say, I can't do this without you because he longs to have that fellowship with us. If we were able to do it all on ourselves, we wouldn't need God. And Lord knows we can't do none of this without him. I so I'm so truly blessed to talk to you this evening. I just, you know, in my mind, I was like, I didn't know exactly. I said, okay, you know, have the conversation. We're going to talk about something, but it was true. It's truly a blessing to talk to you this evening to know, you know, you continue to speak life into people that despite whatever you have gone through, you are a living testimony, willing to share your story. And there's so many people out here who, because they hear your story are gonna know that the next day is gonna be okay. I'm gonna live in today's moment right here, right now, not worrying about anything else, but being right here and being present with God. And I'm so, extremely ecstatic that you shared that testimony because people need it right now we are living in a time where people are not sure about themselves they're not sure about anything and they're I feel like relationships with God are really being like tested and they're just like okay why do we even believe why would God allow this to happen but it's for a reason and it's for a purpose and you are here for a reason and for a purpose and just that faith of a mustard seed when you look up how tiny a mustard seed is and God is saying that that's all I'm asking of you if you can give that over to him Lord look at how your life can be like it could just be filled with so much joy so you guys oh okay Tasha you know what <laughs> you know I heard I said I love the whole present thing is like be present in his presence mm. where you can receive his presence his gift and the thing is, it's like, we, we don't think that someone, someone can be that in love with us because if we find it hard to love ourselves sometimes. But when I think about the joy I have, when I think about how much God loves me, how much he wants to provide for me, and I'm so undeserving, but he still wants to, like, you can't help but smile. He, he loves when we need him and recognize that we need him. It's just like when you're dealing with, with a spouse, you know, when you're dealing with a man, Men love to feel appreciated, but they love to feel needed. Mm. They need to feel like I have a purpose that I serve with being here because there's some type of need that I'm able to meet. They have that hero mentality <laughs> or hero complex. Like, mm -hmm. I have to be it's like, save the day, you know, I have three sons and they're well, all like that. <laughs> you know how sons are. It's, mm -hmm. it's like they want to come to, to your rescue. And, and men are just grown up little boys. <laughs> you know, <laughs> a lot about men. But God, with us being made in his image, you know, it says he's, he's a jealous God. And I believe not jealous in a sense of where he feels like, you know, he's not intimidated by anybody, but he's jealous in a sense of you belong to me. You're mine. Mm -hmm. So your adoration and affection for anybody needs to come to me. I need you to want me. And so a lot of times he will allow us to go through these journeys and, and these sacrifices are made because he needs us to understand how badly we need him. I, I, I truly believe that. So we can change the perspective of trials, you know, to say, 
you know what, he's going to see me through this, just like he saw me through all the rest, you know, because we all have been in that state. Anybody who's an adult has faced something that you thought you were never going to get out of. And when you look back at it and you're in a better space now, because I know in a lot of those dark times, I couldn't see today, but God did, you know, God did. But it's, it's a building of our faith, you know, and to know, to take it in a sense of like, he chose me. He trusted me enough with this story. He trusted me enough with these trials. He trusted me enough with the pain so that once I'm healed from this, I can then show up that you will smile again, that it gets better, that there's a tomorrow, that he's got you. You know what I'm saying? You dropped so many gems tonight. I really hope you guys are listening and paying attention because there are people out here who are walking, who are living, who are going through it, but are able to smile because of God's grace. And so we have to be appreciative of our living testimonies who walk the walk for us, who talk the talk for us, and who are showing us that God is good all the time. And so Tarshay, I want to know, what do you have going on after this? So what's next for Tarshay? What's next for Tarshay? Well, currently, um, I have a show that will be coming out 2021 with my boys. It's called Raising Hamilton. It's on a black network called ICTV. Make sure you guys check it out. Right now, there's a promo code running. So if you put in Hamilton 3, I think you get a couple of dollars off your subscription. And I think the subscription price is low. But make sure you download the app um, because we'll definitely be coming to the screen very soon. Um, So we already started production for that. I'm really excited. Also, I'm working on new music. I've already completed the first single that'll be dropping and it's very powerful it's called I Want It All and the the song is I mean it took me almost a year to write it and it typically doesn't take that long for me to write a song but that song it is a very special song and um I believe it'll impact uh the world in a great way and so I'm doing music and production with my cousin um James Black out of Cleveland, Ohio, um, he and I <laughs> so rocking and rolling. And so we're going to have a, a few projects coming uh, to the forefront. Um, God has just really dropped ideas in, in my head. And he has really blessed me to have a platform to be able to, to do these things and have the resources to do these things. And so I have a responsibility um, to God and to the people um, because again, I woke up. And so every day that I wake up, <laughs> that means I have a job. You got to so keep pushing until my work here is done. And when I stop waking up, that means my work here is done. You know? Amen. And yeah. so how can we connect with you? Because I know after this, that I'm going to slow, you know, I was thinking like, I will start stalk somebody's Instagram, but I'm already a fan. I want everybody else to become a fan. How can we connect with you and even drop the boys information? Because I want to make sure that people are catching yeah. the show. On uh, Facebook, I'm Tarshay Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I was like, I got to get one of those. <laughs> I'm on Facebook. Uh, not often, but I'm on there every Monday night at 9 p.m. I do a live uh, called Tarshay Live with Friends. I'm going to have to have you on. Yeah, I need to <laughs> chat. Sure. <laughs> I need to continue this chat. But um, 
I do that every Monday night on um, IG. I am Tarshe underscore official. Uh, my three boys are uh, Hamill Twins 3. That's their uh, handle on IG. So, yeah, and then again, check me out on ICTV. So when y'all have time, I'm really going to be pushing it come next year, you know, when it comes time to start airing that first episode to our show. I think you guys are going to love it. It's a family show, and it'll definitely be showing um, all aspects of, of my life and how I balance and juggle motherhood, uh, co-parenting, career, ministry, all of that. So um, and also expect a book next year. You know, that's this also something in the works. That's something I told myself that I wanted to accomplish by the time I was 40, or at least in my 40th year. Um, <laughs> I needed to release a book and give people the opportunity to really read the story. You know what I mean? To sit with it and read it. And um, yeah, but it'll be one of many. Well, I will be marking my calendar because we all know I love to read and I will definitely, I follow like so many mommy programs. Like I want to see what they're doing in their life so I can see. <laughs> but I want to thank you so much for coming on this evening. I really, truly appreciate your story. I appreciate your spirit and you definitely poured into me today. And I'm so grateful for that opportunity. So thank you. Thank you for having the opportunity to do so. As always, hotties, you can follow me and the hottest kids on all my social media at Just One Hot Mom or go on over to the blog where we will bring you, well, we will be bringing you that fire, that flavor, that heat, all things saucy from around the world and in your neighborhood at Nanika, that's N-A-N-E-K-I-A dot com. Guess what, hotties, you've been tuned in and you've been elevated. I'll talk to you soon.